Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud taste with soothing decibels. I'm your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 71. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Brad Pitt's on-screen eating habits, Mark Wahlberg's sleep schedule, and the travesty that is season five of Lucifer. Uh, so sad. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. No daily observations today because Charlie Kaufman has earwormed his way into my brain and is gnawing out my subconscious. So not much room for anything else. So Kaufman, you're getting the full, you're getting the full 100% attention of max volume today. So his Netflix movie, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, premiered September 2nd, 2020. And being a neurotic, introspective human being who is equal parts terrified and fascinated by the examination of the self, I am a gigantic fan of Kaufman. His movies and writing are maddeningly simple and endlessly complicated. You know, they seem contrasting, but they're actually, they work well together. So he takes every insecurity you have in the back of your brain and shines a light on your worst existential fear using phantasmal, non-reality-based on-screen depictions. It's beautiful and alarming and upsetting and uncomfortable. And he's the sole person in the film industry who can balance these seemingly polar opposite ways of creating art. The explanation of our most based fears stemming from a lack of true human connection is kind of what he specializes in. And whether we exist as we see ourselves or if we're merely projections other people create for us as characters in their story, like we're kind of being seen by someone by the way they view us and in how they interpret us. It's, you know, it's philosophical, it's deep, it's difficult. And if I sound uncomfortable discussing Kaufman, it's because I 500% am. I think I'm talking slower too, because I just want to make sure what I'm saying, because this is like a mental workout. This is like a mental sauna. I'm sweating Kaufman out. He makes me squirm. I mean, he dredges up philosophical discussions you don't want to have with yourself. He's not an optimist about any of this. <laughs> and there's this kind of hopeless grasping for answers to his work. And he isn't interested in resolution or catharsis uh, or any kind of typical story arc completion. You know, you don't walk out of his movie saying like, oh, well, that ends that story or I feel better about being a human being. No, you just feel, I think you feel more uncomfortable. And like Kaufman just kind of word vomits the frailties of the human condition onto the screen. And it's a jarringly honest look in the mirror. And there's no self-help advice or rope ladder out of this bottomless hole of kind of fear and insecurity. And it sounds awful, right? I mean, it sounds pretty, I mean, it sounds pretty heavy. It's weird even saying, it's weird describing his movies because you sound depressed just even talking about how you feel about his movies because that's the emotions they elect. But there's something very seductive about an auteur kind of pinpointing our self-inflicted very personal, very intimate emotional pains and showing you that it's not a fear that's monopolized by you. Like it's out there and there's other people who exist with these, you know, gnawing thoughts in the back of your head. Like you, you feel truly seen for the first time in your life, but not in a good way. Like you feel like you're about three inches tall, you're standing naked and you're stripped of any kind of emotional armor. You want to punch them in the face for taking the originality out of your inner dialogue. Like this is, he's conveying it better than you could ever, you know, depict it. Like even now I feel embarrassed that I'm talking about 
an inner monologue and depression and hardships that go on inside your health, your yourself. And Charlie Kaufman is just a million times better at it. And he knows how to expose all these feelings as something inherent in all, in all people. Like we all feel lost at times that we aren't enough, that we are solely looked at with disdain by the world at large. And it's comforting though, to know that someone sees the world that way as well and can put it on screen that our internal, our internal projections of what we think the world sees and are, aren't actually what's occurring in reality. Because, I mean, it's maddening because Kaufman does nothing to soothe or rectify this incongruity of reality versus perception, which means even with all his brilliant observational skills about what it is to be a 21st century human, and that's, oh, that's all his movies. I think he has seven or eight titles under his name. I don't think a single one doesn't address that topic of kind of what it is to be a human and what it is to be alone with your thoughts and what kind of internal monologue keeps going in a in you know the negative way and not like the positive it's going to be okay buddhist breathe in breathe out kind of way in the kind of woe is me neurotic uh what is this all for kind of way but even he who's seems like he has a phd in this topic he has no clue how to break the patterns of fear and isolation that we all kind of exacerbate in our heads Blah. I, I hate this. <laughs> I usually want to keep the podcast light and fluffy, like a croissant, kind of of airy pop culture thoughts. And the, it'll keep you light on your toes and kind of keep you, you know, energized for the day. But I can't ignore my fascination with Kaufman and how his movies splice themselves into my DNA kind of forever and ever. I don't think that I, I didn't think I was affected by I'm thinking of ending things. Like when I turned it off, I was like, okay, you know, new Kaufman movie. And then when the movie was over, I instantly went to articles trying to decipher what it all meant since this movie is part kind of hallucination and part pop culture conglomeration with a very conventional plot, but it's spooled out in an impossible to describe kind of manner. So, okay, if you haven't seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things, I would stop now because I'm going to try to describe and, you know, unravel some of its mysteries. But I, I don't think, honestly, that this movie is a gotcha, sixth sense, usual suspects kind of thriller. And having some context going in might actually allow for a more satisfying viewing. I know the second time I saw this movie, it added a lot more depth and context, and I enjoyed it a lot more. But, like, what do I know about how you like to consume media? So that's why I'm giving you the warning, fair warning right now. Turn it off now if you don't want this movie spoiled. But I think. I think you want a little bit of context in this movie and you can pick up on it because once you get past the semi gotcha part of it, you can really start peeling back the layers. So the story of I'm thinking of ending things is you're following the story of the young woman. You're never giving her name. You're never given her name, but you follow her perspective and her inner dialogue throughout the movie. So she's the central character. She's the, she's driving to the country with her boyfriend of six weeks, Jake to meet his parents as she internally is thinking of breaking up with him. Hence the title. I'm thinking of ending things. Seems like a basic storyline, but with Kaufman, as always, it's anything but, I mean, he even turned a movie about orchids into like a murder mystery. It was bizarre. And actually that movie adaptation is more about writing a movie. And it's so, I mean, he basically put himself in it. It's so weird. I love it though. Uh, I mean, I love all his movies. I really do. So 
Jake and the woman have this philosophical discussion in the car, you know, going up to Jake's mom, mom and dad's house. And it's ranging from David Foster Wallace books, which is kind of funny because I'm reading one right now. Infinite Jest, definitely check it out. It's like a thousand pages and it's amazing. It's got that kind of Kaufman vibe though, where it's like, woe is me, the universe is collapsing on itself. <laughs> so maybe not. And anything else they're talking about, they're talking about like sexual consent, interpretations of classic songs to performing poetry. They're both clearly very intelligent and fragile people who are very insecure about how they're being viewed by the other person. Like, all, aren't we all? And the movie starts to kind of fall apart when they meet Jake's parents and time starts skipping. Jake's parents in the beginning are in their mid fifties. Then suddenly like that they're in their late eighties. And then they are like 1960s versions of themselves where they're 30 something, 30 somethings with like, you know, energy and vigor and clearly sixties clothes. And they don't seem to acknowledge this or see anything wrong with the incongruity of their age. Dogs are endlessly shaking themselves dry during this kind of meeting, which I never knew could be so upsetting, but it like shatters your internal desire of completion and normalcy. Soon names are being changed, clothes are being changed. There's a weird side story about an unnamed elderly janitor at a high school kind of sadly drifting along at the end of his life. And the emotions of Jake and the young woman, they feel real and deserved and grounded in reality, while actions, attire, and reactions to other people feel entirely kind of in this dream state, almost like a fever dream state. And there's two twin, I mean, there's a twin, there's twin blonde 1950s pinup girls at this Dairy Queen knockoff that they go to. And they're laughing at Jake like schoolyard girls would when you were six and like you peed your pants or something. And it's just, I don't know, it just dredges things up. I and mean, he knows how to dredge things up. Kaufman, I mean, my God, he must have made, gotten made fun of so much as a kid and just he internalized it and just keeps spooling it out even after he's 60. And uh, I mean, Jake's parents like take an endlessly long time to get from the upstairs to the downstairs. It's like 10 mi minutes in movie time, which is, you're like, where are they? What is going on? Because they, they seem healthy. It's not like they're like slowly going. They're just, for some reason, there's like a, like a record skip. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And it's very unsettling. And by the end of the movie, uh, during a snowstorm, Jake goes to his old high school with the young woman. And it becomes clear that neither of them actually exists. And it's all happening in the mind of the old janitor as the janitor kills himself by freezing to death in his car outside the high school. The movie mocks linear story storytelling. Kaufman's always said he hates the idea of, you know, a classic story being told in the movie. And having the internal monologue of the movie be a mental projection of the young woman, and, and then of that being of a barely seen character in the janitor, it's just, it's deeply unsettling. It just, you know, you, you built your house on quicksand, you know what I mean? It's just like, whatever you thought or cared about wasn't real, their thoughts weren't real, and they were part of someone else's thoughts, who might not even be real either, because it just seems, I mean, like I said, all his movies are phantasmal. You feel cheated, you feel confused, you feel alarmed that none of what you invested in was anything but synapses firing off in this dying mind of this old man. But that's also the brilliance of the movie. Jake and the young woman really only speak in terms of other people's arts and opinions. Like they're reading poetry, like I said, quoting books, citing movie reviews that Kaufman himself has been influenced by. And hell, I mean, the last 10 minutes of the movie is a freaking, is the freaking Nobel Prize speech from the movie A Beautiful Mind, word for word, verbatim. And 
then a musical number from the play Oklahoma. It's making the viewer face the reality that we try to define ourselves by what external artists influence us and like what we enjoy. Like, you know, our top five list of action movies, the three most influential books we ever read, the song that's going to play at our wedding. It's all art that doesn't belong to you, yet we all internalize it as uniquely ours when it's just a false security blanket of having a personality when we were just stealing from others. Now, normally I don't swear on the podcast, but Kaufman makes me want to put my hands in the air and just scream, fucking hell, Charlie, like, take it easy on me. Like, take it easy. Slow it down. Like, don't get this real. I'm here to be entertained. Just ease off. Especially as someone like me who consumes uh, entertainment at like a Pac-Man level ferocity. And I see, you know, this this consuming as a dominating part of my personality, hence these 71 podcasts in like two months. And yet, here is one of my idols showing me it's a fool's errand and a silly way to exist. Oh, and for good measure, he doesn't provide any solutions or stop gaps because he's just as lost as you are. Like usually directors and writers are so confident in their ability to kind of see things more clearly than us that they take us by the hand and they lead us to whatever moral truth, you know, love can cure all or, uh, you know, evil can prevail in a chaotic way. I mean, they're just sure of themselves. Kaufman has no idea. There's no underlying point to what he's doing other than he's observing how he's feeling and conveying it really, really truthfully in a really weird way. Yeah, you know, I shuddered a little bit. Like he's better at conveying the struggle of life than anyone else on the planet. So it's a, it's a mental marathon dissecting Kaufman's work, but you can't help but dig deeper once you've opened the box. Otherwise, those thoughts kind of fester and pulsate inside you until all it's all you can think about. So I'm leaking it out all. I'm leaking it out all out today, and hopefully I can go back to blissfully watching bad 80s situational comedies and Cartoon Network shows by tomorrow in a little 11 minute escape from reality. I'm also thankful that Kaufman forced me to think about existence and death and anxiety and depression because ignoring it, uh, ignoring it is all, I mean, it mostly is definitely a worse way to live. You know I mean? It's definitely just gonna, you know, just kind of build up inside you. And also I noticed Normally, I speak a little bit faster. I'm a little bit more nervous about these podcasts. They kind of go, I can tell this one's going to go longer than most of them, even though it's usually, it's kind of, I have the same amount of notes and same amount of kind of verbal stuff here. But because it's something important that I want to really kind of describe in a appropriate and, you know, give it, give it its due that I'm going to, I speak clearer and I'm kind of taking my time with it. And I wonder if that's a better way to describe this stuff. I think because this has such weight to it, I don't want to yada, 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 nervously kind of laugh and joke and internalize and talk back with myself. That's kind of my style usually is I'll say something. I'm like, well, I'll go back on that. And then I'll talk about the other side. This one, I just want to give, I want to pay homage to something that's, I don't know, emotionally important, I guess. So like I said, after I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I casually read a few explanations. And then slowly, I found myself clicking on new articles when they appeared on my newsfeed. You know, Google knows what you like to click on. And I would go through like two or three a day. And then I started consuming podcasts about the film, interviews with Charlie Kaufman himself, and the writer of the book it was adapted from. And it was adapted from 
it's 50% the book and 50% Charlie Kaufman. It's not exactly the book, apparently, which, I mean, it's pretty clear that this is very Charlie Kaufman. And here I am now doing a podcast I didn't really want to do because not all art is fun. Sometimes it's heavy lifting and Kaufman brings eight tons of essential life questions with zero answers. So you have to come up with some sort of rationalization of his work on your own, which I guess I'm trying to trying to convey via this podcast. He's, I mean, if I have an analogy for him, he's grain alcohol for your brain. Like when he's mixed with the viewpoints of other directors like Spike Jones and Adaptation and being John Malkovich or Michelle Gondry in Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind, he can become palatable, almost like, you know, it's a good mixture and kind of be pleasantly diluted with his heavy thoughts. But when he directs, it's kind of this unfiltered, self-inflicted misery being shot into your mouth with a fire hose. Like his movie, Synecdoche, New York, might be the most moving piece of cinema I've ever seen. It's about a playwright who's given the MacArthur Grant to do whatever he wants. It's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, probably his best role, I think. Although I do love him in Mission Impossible 3. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very different role, but he's fantastic in that too. And so this playwright ends up making a time loop existential crisis morality play about his own life that folds in and collapses on itself like a dying star of internalized fears and insecurities. And yeah, I mean, that's like the easiest way I could describe it. Like he has actors playing him and then those actors get actors to play him because they're, they think that they are him and it keeps going and spinning out of control and getting larger and larger. Oh, and in this movie, every minor thought or depressed feeling any of the characters feel feels in the movie is manifested in the physical world and amplified by like a thousandfold. And you have no internal thoughts. He kind of, if you think something in your head, that's out loud on a megaphone, which is, you know, like, I think that's everybody's worst fear sometimes. So yeah, it's freaking upsetting and intense and awful and relatable. And it's Kaufman. It's, it's just Kaufman. And my family does a movie of the week where one of us picks a film where we all watch and discuss. And it's, rotating selection and this week is mine and i emotionally swing wildly between wanting to pick synecdoche new york or picking another cute positive film that won't shatter my family's sense of well-being during a pandemic you know that's kind of cruel so i'm probably going to go with the positive route because at least i think i've squeezed out the kaufman juice that was saturating my brain for the past 10 days but that's the magic of Kaufman, his weirdly in-depth understanding of humanity and our internal struggles never truly fades from you. It kind of merely waxes and wanes over unpredictable periods of time. Like, you know, it's like, it's like ocean waves, like eventually they just keep coming back. Well, that was a lot. So time to catch up on Cobra Kai and do a hard reset of my cerebral cortex because I don't think I can take any more Kaufman. Later.